0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch, fastball, pulled, and passed, Alvarez toward the corner. Get up, Bob, get up, get out of here, Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes real. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. We got
1: big news. We got a starting third baseman in Pittsburgh that we might be pretty excited about in fantasy. The dude's got some pop. Welcome, everybody. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. It is Tuesday. Two days to fill out your brackets in our bracket challenge and hopefully get into the podcast league. I'm Adam Azer.
2: Say hello to Chris Towers. What's up? Hey, guys. Hey. I'm a little disappointed that Heath didn't take off his blue hoodie. Because now we look kind of like we're matching. Um, yes. And yeah, yeah. I just think, like, seniority, I should be the one who gets to keep the jacket on.
0: You have been at CBS longer, yeah. and you are the boss. And I'm middle-aged. I've been on Earth longer. Yeah. That's not how it works. So I think I have seniority. Uh, you actually not stole how it works. You
1: stole what I was going to say, because it is pretty hilarious that Team Kreeth is matching right now. Uh, and Scott, hello, Scott, how are you?
3: Good. I have my own shade of blue, but I don't look like I tried to do it.
1: (laughs) It's it's really cute, guys. Okay, so today, overdrafted and underdrafted players. We're getting a lot of questions about late-round picks. Who are our favorite late-round picks? Well, we'll tell you some of our favorite late-round picks. We'll read some emails uh, at cbsi.com, including a couple of questions about head-to-head categories leagues. And five big questions. We did it yesterday. It was a smashing success. Everybody loved it. So we'll do five big questions again today. Let's start with uh, news and notes. Not a ton, but Jung Ho Gong is going to be Pittsburgh's starting third baseman. Eric Gonzalez will be Pittsburgh's shortstop. Heath, talk to me about the left side of the Pittsburgh infield.
0: Well, we're not going to talk about Eric Gonzalez because he is a terrible hitter and is only getting to start at shortstop because of his ability to play defense. And they need somebody that's good at defense over there because Jung Ho Gong's really not. Um, but what Gong has been is pretty exciting – when he's been a re- an everyday player. He's got a two seventy-four average. He's got an eight thirty seven OPS, hit 36 home runs in just about 230 Major League games. So I do think this is a guy who if, and it's a question mark because it's been over a year now, but if he can get back to that level, he could be a guy that's looking like a very good option as a starting corner infielder and could push to be a starting third baseman in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I took a look at him in our... 12-team Roto League that starts quarter infielders. He had, he was drafted. I had forgotten. So he was not available. But just looking at 2016, if he had played 155 games, he would have been the number 14 third baseman in points leagues, um, which would have been the, that fantasy point total would have made him number 13 in 2018. So based on that production, it's mostly home runs. Scott, for Gong, it's probably not a one-third baseman type of league, right? And that's kind of what Heath was saying still more like those deeper roto leagues
3: yeah well yeah i mean especially now i mean if he gets back to that level like he was saying and there's no there's no evidence he is i mean his spring he had five home runs they were his only five hits he struck out in like half his at bats uh, and hasn't played it's it's been i mean he got a little time at the end of last season but for the most part it's been two full years since he played he's 32 now uh it's it you know, deeper leagues. Deeper leagues. He's a sleeper for deeper leagues.
1: All right, Clayton Kershaw's going to begin the season on the injured list. So Chris, uh which starting pitchers are you drafting? Let's talk about all the draftable starting pitchers for the Dodgers in order. Okay, Walker Buehler one, Clayton Kershaw two, then well, then what?
2: It it looks like you don't read CBS Sports dot com's fantasy baseball coverage, Adam, because <laughs> I actually wrote about this very topic yesterday. And I'm a little wary of sharing this on the podcast because we still have drafts to go. But something that Heath and I were talking about yesterday, and I I realized it's a pretty good idea, is you can actually just draft every Dodgers pitcher. And last year they had a a starting pitcher ERA of 318. Uh, I was looking at ATC uh, projections from Ariel Cohen. He has them projected for 3-4-4 four, four ERA, collectively, the seven guys. Um, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill, Ross Stripling, Julio Arias, and Hyunjin Ryu. And what I realized is you can draft Buehler in like late third, early fourth, Kershaw in the fifth, take nothing but really good hitters and closers for your next six picks, and then it's like in a five-round succession you could just reach a round or two early and get all the other guys. And all of a sudden you've got the whole starting pitching staff who are going to put up, I think across the board, very good ratios. And you're minimizing the risk of Kershaw or Bueller or any one of them because they all have risks uh, individually. But you've got two backup starting pitchers at all times. When Kershaw doesn't make his first start or he goes on the DL in June, You've got the guy who's going to step in and be really good in his replacement. I think this is a really good idea, and I really want to try it in one of our remaining mock drafts.
1: That is fun. I like that. Now, that's a great article to read on CBSSports.com, but there's a better one, (laughs) and it's by Heath Cummings, and it's it's about his draft strategies. My perfect draft strategy for points, rotisserie, and head-to-head categories. Heath, outstanding work. Outstanding. Thank you, Adam.
0: I I appreciate that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, it's good
1: stuff. Um and maybe something we'll talk about later in the week. is going to be in the lineup when they play in Japan, which is just a reminder that we've got baseball coming up on March 20th and March 21st. 5.35 in the morning on March 20th and, again, on March 21st. So we'll be uh excited for that. Uh, that's tomorrow, right? That's tomorrow, yeah. The Yankees <laughs> signed Gio Gonzalez. To Are we going to try to wake up? I'll be I, up for I, some of it. I'll
2: be up by the fourth inning anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Come on, wake up. Wake up, Chris. I might
2: try. God, my wife would be so mad if my alarm started going off at five thirty in the morning. Like that might we might get divorced if I did that two <laughs> nights in a row.
1: Uh okay, S- especially if it was to watch A's Mariners. Scott, um <laughs> Gio Gonzalez to the Yankees on a minor league deal. What does it mean?
3: I don't think it impacts like Domingo Herman's the one we're most excited about, right? It doesn't look like uh, Jonathan Lewisaga is going to have a spot at the start, and Luis Sessa, I think we've seen enough of him, despite his pretty good spring showing here. So it's mostly Herman who we're thinking, we don't want it to impact, and uh, I mean, Gio Gonzalez is going to have to build up his innings. It's a minor league deal, so he, obviously that's where he's going to go to begin the season. He has an opt-out on April 20th, if he's not in the majors by then, and I think there's a good chance he isn't, if the Yankees are getting good production from the starters already there. I mean, the reason he had to settle for a minor league deal is it doesn't look like Gio Gonzalez is a very good starting pitcher anymore. Had a 144 whip last year with a, a BABIP right around 300. And uh, his velocity has been down the last couple years, not missing bats like he used to.
1: Okay, great. So doesn't mean much. Uh, Dustin Pedroia. Oh, by the way, another Yankees note. Uh, Dal Batances is really struggling there. Seems to be a bit concerned about him. He's just behind because uh, he got started late on spring training. He's throwing like 91 miles per hour. So I know people were drafting Delon Patances. Be aware, he's having a really uh, kind of concerning spring. Dustin Pedroia is going to start the season on IL. Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt will apparently platoon at second base, which is annoying because I would love to see Eduardo Nunez uh, win that job. But are, are any of those second base options, Pedroia, Nunez, or Brock Holt worth drafting right now?
3: Ale only on a standard mixed league, no.
1: Uh Byron Buxton's having a big spring. Is anybody buying in?
2: I think it's worth moving him up. Um we've never seen him have, have a spring like this, so that's nice. But also he's only struck out four times in thirty three plate appearances. It's not just all home runs, it's not just all BABIP. He is hitting the ball really well. He's a fourteen fifty OPS in thirty three plate appearances. Now 33 plate appearances. Yes, Byron Buxton has had 33 good plate appearances before. But given that we were kind of writing him off entirely coming into the spring, it's just it serves as a as a reason to draft him, I think. My problem is, and I I'm I've been more than willing to draft him the entire
0: time. I think he's been in my top 200 since before spring training started. I've got him I can't keep up. Like, the hype on Byron Buxton yeah. from everyone else is so... Every time I get ready to move him up 20 spots, everybody else has already moved him up 30 spots. So I've got him right around pick 170 now. I could see taking him in the first 13 or 14 rounds. I can't imagine I'm ever going to get him.
2: Well, his ADP over the last week on NFBC is 150th. Uh, He has gone as high as 64th. Yeah. So,
1: Who who would you rather take, Byron Buxton or Billy Hamilton?
2: Uh, depends how badly. If if I desperately need steals, Billy Hamilton. If I'm just looking for a player with upside, it's it's Byron Buxton. Okay, who would you rather take Byron Buxton or Brandon Nimmo? Probably Nimmo.
0: Yeah, I'll take Nimmo.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
3: I agree. I'd, I'd
0: rather I'd rather take I mean, Domingo it's... Santana.
1: Yeah, are, are we sure Domingo Santana is an everyday player? No, I'm.
2: Not. I'm not sure he's good. Uh,
3: yeah, because they have a bit of a lot. Look, it, it looks like Jay Bruce is going to play a lot. Um, he's been. He was he was batting third when it looked like they were running their regular lineup out there, uh, in in the their most recent exhibition game in Japan, uh, and that's without Daniel Vogelbach because they were putting Ichiro in the lineup. So I, I mean I don't know that Vogelbach's going to play that much. I would guess he would play the least of the three: Bruce, uh, and uh, Domingo Santana. But seeing as Santana's the one right-handed hitter of the bunch, I could see how he could get squeezed.
1: Yeah, and Malik Smith not playing in these uh, games in Japan either. Okay, uh, just a couple but, other. But days. you
0: can you can have Dan Vogelbach, Jay Bruce, and Domingo Santana all in the lineup, right?
1: No. Yeah. No. Yes, no. while no, while Seager is out. Uh, yeah, you have Vogelbach at DH, Hanegar in center, Santana in left, Bruce
2: in and right. He's playing
1: first, Edwin Encarnacion. Carnacion, or Vogelbach at first. Oh, he's first. just gonna play first all the time. Well, then Vogelbach will play first, and Encarnacion will DH. Well, right, right now
3: on. they've been putting Bruce at uh, at Bruce at first base,
2: but yeah, okay. well, when I,
3: Malik Smith comes back,
2: yeah, that's the question: somebody? Is Malik Smith gonna be out for the next ten days? And no, that's he's, it. He's going to be ready. Is, is this going to linger? He's supposed to be ready for opening day. I mean, that's at least what I thought. The real opening day. That's anyway. where, yeah, he's uh, he's the one that I don't think has concerns about playing time. No. So then it's, I assume it's Haniger, uh, Malik
0: Smith, and Domingo Santana in the outfield. Jay Bruce and Encarnacion at first and DH. Okay, but then, then which you would have, the
3: have to... Vogelbach, which is.
0: That's yeah, That's no. for now. But then when
1: Seeger gets back, Ryan Healy's going to be in the mix as well, because right now... That'll Healy's work playing itself out. All right, all right, forget yeah, it. Yeah, Healy's not. I don't think no. Ryan
0: Healy's taking plate appearances away from Santana. Maybe From is. Domingo Santana? I mean, he's,
1: come on, Domingo Santana it got
2: depends. demoted last year. It depends. If he's 2018 Domingo Santana, yeah, he he got sent down. It wasn't...
0: They, they don't they have cause.
2: Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Kane. Right, but Ryan they have Braun. better, play, they have players who can be better than 2018 Domingo Santana. Sure.
1: Uh, I'm done here. We're moving on from the Mariners. We'll see uh, what their lineup looks like tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning. Alex Wood is going to start <laughs> the year on the IL with a back issue. That means Tyler Malley has a good chance to be in the opening day rotation for the Cincinnati Reds. Wood could be back in mid-April. And the Padres are still, according to Ken Rosenthal, interested in Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber. So we'll keep an eye on that, but nothing appears imminent. Get in the bracket challenge. If you need the link, please email me, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I will send you a link to our bracket challenge. If you're in first place at the end of this weekend, I know it's only two rounds. You will, I'll pick one of the, it'll be a lot of ties. I'll pick somebody to be in the podcast league. Um, if you're a football listener and you win the whole thing, then you will be in the football podcast league. So, uh, let me know if you want in. Again, I'll email you and I'll tweet it all the time as well the bracket challenge link sportsline.com sign up right now with the promo code vegas get the optimal bracket get the upset bracket get great tournament picks get some fantasy advice awesome website sportsline.com promo code is vegas one dollar for your first month and make sure you're watching on cbs sports hq it's one of our favorite weeks of the year and uh, you can follow it all live with cbs sports hq it's a free 24-hour sports news network we've got we got the tournament highlights the analysis the picks the bracketology and uh, live shows to help you with your office pools. CBS Sports HQ, it is always on. You can stream it live on all of your devices on the CBS Sports app.
0: Let's do five big questions. <laughs> how, uh, question one, how do you pronounce tournament? <laughs> do,
2: tournament. S-
1: do I say it weird? NCAA tournament. How do you say I it? I say
2: tournament. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. <laughs> you wouldn't say, oh, no. Would it be a tourniquet or a tourniquet? A tourniquet. A t- no, yeah, it's a he, tourniquet.
1: He thinks me out to be like, I'm a New York, like, deli owner. It's like, yo, you want some tourniquet? Like, He's ridiculous. But. <laughs>
2: hey, I'm walking here. Exactly. <laughs> Usually
3: I'm against Heath in, in questionable pronunciations, but tournament.
2: That's how I've always said it. I don't think there's one right. The English language is fluid uh, based on where regional dialects, so I think you're fine, yeah. Adam. Thank you. You live your life.
1: A- and my wife and I were talking yesterday. Isn't it weird that F R O G and D O G don't rhyme? Isn't that weird?
2: What? Excuse
1: me. Frog. Say F R O G. That animal. Frog. Say D O G.
0: Dog. dog. They don't rhyme. Frog and dog definitely rhyme. No, frog it's, frog what say, no it's frog <laughs> and dog. They don't. No. It's frog and.
1: Dog, like D-A-U-G, <laughs> is how everybody pronounces dog. Frog you don't say dog. dog.
0: It, it, 100% right. Different.
2: How, do different. Dog? Dog. how do you say dog?
1: Dog. Frog. How do you say, say frog? frog? Frog, dog. Frog, dog. You see? They're different. <laughs> yeah, you just say dog. Frog. frog. <laughs> no, I say it
0: right. <laughs> this is I'm like picking the frogs to win the tournament. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, Scott used to say Shield. That's right. Okay, Uh five big questions. <laughs> why don't frog and dog rhyme? And why not? Why not Malik Smith? Why shouldn't Malik Smith be the centerpiece of your Steel's strategy? He goes a lot later than at Alberto Mondesi. I like
3: Jonathan. It. You said Jonathan Vr. No, Malik
2: Smith I said Malik, Malik Smith. Malik Smith. Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay. Now the
2: same reason you don't build your lineup around Luke Voigt or your pitching staff around Nathan Uvaldi. He had one good half season ever in the majors. That's not to say I don't necessarily believe in it, but it's a single season. C- didn't didn't Mondesi have one good half season? Right, right. I'm I'm not even talking. Like I I've made my skepticism of Adalberto Mondesi pretty well known. Um. But there hasn't been quite as much skepticism expressed about Malik Smith, and it's possible he goes back to being a 265 hitter, and you know, with his complete and utter lack of power, he might not be worth playing every day for the, the Mariners if he's a 265. But
0: one thing I will yeah. say in his defense is the skepticism is being expressed in his ADP. I think his ADP just looking at Yahoo right now, is right around 150.
1: Oh, that's, like, that, that's, that's lower than Fantasy Pros. It's like... Really 154.
2: 112 on M- NFBC. Yeah,
1: 113 um, on Fantasy Pros for Malik Smith.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, the thing about Adalberto Mondesi is it's an ability to get a steel stud who, you know, also provides power, which Malik Smith doesn't. He but, may provide batting average like he did last year, but it, you know, it's... He needed he needed a pretty high Babbitt to hit for that mark.
0: I think it's just as likely that he hits 290 as Mondesi hits more than 22 home runs.
2: I mean, I, I would just say this: Mondesi's upside is higher, like the 90th per, or the 80th percentile, whatever you want to look at, is higher. I think there's also a higher chance that Alberto Mondesi ends up in the minors at some point. Okay, second big question: Which ace starting pitcher? Are you avoiding?
1: And I don't mean like he's gonna be a total bust, but you personally, you just you just don't want him. Scott, let's start with you.
3: Ace pitcher that I'm avoiding. Um, I, I always hesitate to na- take Noah Sindergaard just because.
1: Oh gee, he's, why? <laughs> he's has he?
3: He's never really delivered an ace season. He came pretty. He had that 180 inning season, that I guess you know, it was close enough with his ratios that we could call him an ace, but otherwise he hasn't done it. And the biggest predictor of an ace for me is, has he been an ace before on a per star basis? Absolutely. No, a center guard has, he he always is, but it's, you know, he's, we're, we're pretty deep into his career now and he's never had that season where it all comes together.
2: I mean, he's thrown 190 and 180 innings, uh, in consecutive seasons, so I, I, Oh, it was more than one season, I thought. No, no, he Well, hasn't. no, he threw no. 150 in the majors, but combining the minors and the postseason, oh, he ended okay. up right around 190 that year. Okay. Um, okay, So but, yeah. For me, it, it's been kind of, and I know we want to move quickly, so I won't dwell on it too long, but I think a lot of his, I wrote about this last week, I think a lot of his injuries have been kind of random. Like, he did have bone spurs in his elbow once, and then he had a lat injury, and then he had a finger injury, like... Those could be connected and indicative of some flaw in Noah Syndergaard's body or throwing style or mechanics, but it seems kind of like bad luck. Okay, so who are you avoiding, Chris? Um, I don't think I've drafted Blake Snell yet. I, I, I don't know if it's as much about avoiding him as just I prefer Trevor Bauer. Uh, who's going a couple spots later? I prefer Garrett Cole, who's going right around the same spot. Um, I'm just a little wary of of Blake Snell coming off this kind of season. Heath, he who are you away. good last year?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he, uh, too I say Patrick
0: Corbin and i I just don't know that I quite buy it, and it seems like in every draft I'm in, there's somebody that thinks he's part of the top twelve, top thirteen. Uh, Walker Buehler would also fit in that category in points leagues. I've got him quite a ways behind where the consensus seems to be on him.
3: So Patrick All right.
0: Corbin's having an awful spring. Oh, interesting. Uh, big question number three. Who is Trevor Story?
1: He is going 20th overall in Fantasy Pro's ADP, which is basically exactly where Scott White has him in both points and roto. Uh, but Heath has him more like 30th overall.
0: Heath, who is Trevor Story? I think Trevor Story is a very good baseball player that plays in one of the best parks in baseball for a hitter, and we saw what his ceiling is last year. I'm just not sure he's quite going to deliver on that. I'd expect a couple, a few less home runs, maybe a few less steals, and there is still the concern for a guy that made that big of a jump in his strikeout rate that it doesn't stick, and if he goes back to being a 30% strikeout rate guy, he's going to be streaky, and it's going to be frustrating.
2: It, guys, yeah. guys, is he worth a top 20 pick? He, no. I don't think it's I mean, baking in enough of the downside.
3: He did. He is 3-for-3 three three in steals this spring, so that's encouraging to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to depend a lot on if he can sustain that lower strikeout rate. It's just, it's rare to find the kind of five-category trick contributor he was last year after the first round. And sometimes he makes it to the third.
1: Yeah. So Story stole 27 bases in 33 attempts last year in 157 games. That made him the number four shortstop in points. Number two in Roto. If he had only stolen eight bases, which is what he did in 2016 and 17, basically. Although in 2016, it was eight steals in 97 games. Uh, he he would have gone from the number four shortstop in points leagues to number five. And that's still really good because the top shortstops were excellent last year. So he still would have had a great year mm. even if he hadn't yeah. been a base. I, I thought
3: you were going to say something different, actually.
1: Yeah, would have fallen to ninth. I mean, look, maybe he would have scored fewer runs as well. There, that's part of. The, I, I couldn't do that calculation, but if you just yeah, I,
2: I think that would be minimal. Yeah,
1: just take away the the thirty eight points going from twenty seven steals to uh eight steals, and he still would have been a top five shortstop and a really really good hitter. Um. So I don't know, maybe you draft Trevor Story and don't bank on him being your Steals source. Like if he if he gives you it, great. If not, I think you could I think you can get fifteen. Just don't bank I, I think on he's 30. an upside play.
2: I, I don't think you're banking on it. But, but he's not really an upside play in the second round. He could be a first round out. um but I just don't think you're looking at him the way you're looking at Some other guys in that range and saying, I know exactly what I'm getting from Trevor Story. What you're, what you're doing there is you're thinking he can help me win my league or lose it. It's, it's a high variance play. I think the same thing with Adalberto mondesi a a round or two later.
1: That was my next question. Who would you rather have Story in, let's say, round two or three or Montesi in round three or four? Story.
2: Well. I think there's basically 0% chance Trevor, a healthy Trevor Story loses his job this year. Scott, I think there's maybe a 20 to 30% chance that happens down our belt to Mondesi. I'll say Mondesi just because I don't want to spend a second-round pick on Story. Okay.
1: Hey, Scott, would you rather have Mike Trout in the first round or a discounted Mondesi? This is a real question. Trout in the first round or Mondesi, okay. Mondesi in the sixth round? Oh come on. <laughs> it's come on.
3: Okay. I'd rather have trout. Okay.
1: Yeah. Alright, he said something terrible about Bondice. You all heard it. Uh next big
0: question. Joey Vado fifty second overall or Jose Abreu seventy fourth overall? I find myself a lot of times in this point in the draft at the end of the fourth round and Votto, abreu carpenter are all there and i'm very happy to just take which one of the three falls the furthest i i think they're all good values right now but i'll take Abreu because he's going 20 picks later
2: okay i'll go Votto. i, I don't think there's any way jose abreu even in this in you know at a discount in the sixth or seventh round wins you a fantasy league i think the best case scenario is that he's a pretty good first baseman uh and it and it's I think it's more true in Roto. Um, I I just I good. think there's – what?
3: That he's good in Roto?
2: Well, I, I think in Roto there's less of a chance that he turns out to be this like really, really good value. I think he can be a pretty good value. But I, I don't think there's any outcome where Jose Abreu is a first-round value and Joey Votto obviously was that as recently as the season before last.
3: I was actually going to say just the opposite. I, I feel like Jose Abreu is the one I like to wait for in a roto league. Uh, cause I feel like his value is pretty disproportionate between the two formats since, you know, batting average is a big part of what makes him good when he is good. Uh, well, meanwhile, you know, a lot of those other first basemen walk a lot.
1: Yeah. Actually, it's an interesting comparison, Vado and Abreu, cause Vado is, is much safer in points leagues. Last year he was like 12th in points and like 20th in roto, and Abreu is better in roto. Um, you know, they, these guys are really interesting because Abreu, Scott and I have talked about it I think a lot, and I guess maybe we all have. Like we love his value in the 70s, and if you miss out on all the good first basemen, all the great first basemen, he's a great fallback option. But he has been, in two of the last three years, probably not worth the 70th pick, especially, especially last year. Uh, 2016. Two of the last three. Yeah, 2016. He was the number His 11, 2016's... 11 in points, number fifteen in Roto. He only scored sixty-seven runs. He only hit twenty-five home runs. But yeah, it's two of the last three. That years. was the year he
3: had a really slow start. I feel like. So I mean, maybe that's. It's not fair to just excuse it, but.
2: I, I but he's also thirty-two.
3: Yeah. Yeah, about thirty-five. Of
2: 35. Yeah. yeah, but like, like it
3: it's possible last year was the big start of a decline for a brave i don't see it looking at the uh, at the un- the batted ball profile it looks yeah. wait he, are we talking about a brave now <laughs> well but <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about a break.
2: well his hard hit rate fell from 40.5 to 37.9 and that was in a league context where hard hit rate was up like 4 points i think so we do have to keep that in mind yeah. his infield fly ball rate pop up rate Went way up, doubled. Yeah, that's so,
3: like he, he replaced some home runs with pop-ups. That's the main thing I see.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, he had testicular torsion. Just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Last big question. Scott, I'm <laughs> going to give this one to you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer it. Which prospects are worth drafting?
3: <sighs> um, <the laughs> got a blanking here. Uh, so obviously Vladimir Guerrero, Aloy Jimenez is the highest two. Uh, you know, Nick Senzel, Pete Alonso, we, they might, they might make the opening day roster, but if they don't, they'll be up soon afterward. Uh, sounds like Chris Paddock's going to make this, the rotation for the Padres from the get go and Jesus Lazardo of the Athletics might as well. So I think they're all worth drafting. If you go in a little deeper format, Fernando Tatis, I think, is somebody you're stashing with the hope of a midseason call up. And um Austin Hayes in a five outfielder league, I think, is joins that group. Anybody I'm missing guys? I mean Forrest Whitley could contribute at some you point say Kyle but it's Wright. Hard to know when. Kyle Wright, yeah, it sounds like he'll be in the Braves rotation to begin with. I don't think his upside is so apparent that he's like must draft at this point. But I mean, he could certainly be a much bigger contributor than. What about Garrett being Hampson drafted as today?
2: I don't Garrett think Hampson. he's a. Is he a prospect? Like Victor Robles Gibson. is still technically a prospect.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he already has a job. Basically. Francisco
2: Mejia is still technically a prospect. I could see Keston Hyura. era mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Hira. Uh Second baseman for the Brewers, who had a really nice season last year. And has been one of their best hitters in the spring. Um, I could see him getting a chance if the Mike Moustakis at second base uh, experiment goes wrong. Like, I could see if either Moustakis or Shaw gets off to a bad start and the defense is really bad, I could see them kind of moving away from that because they do have a very good second base prospect, you know, who looks pretty close to major league ready.
1: All right, got to uh, read some questions about categories, leagues, do some late-round picks, overdrafted and underdrafted, and I just started a Twitter poll. Say them out loud and tell me, do frog and dog rhyme? <laughs> you see, the way I
2: said it, they don't.
1: Like They don't rhyme. So, yeah, the way this you is say
2: gonna, it, because you say frog. <laughs> this is going to go the way your Hotel California versus International Players oh. anthem poll went, where you got like 20% of the vote and you were so sure you were right.
1: Yeah, I am right. That is it's, the like, stupid- it's
2: like the Avengers quote. <laughs> What's the stupid Avengers quote that you're going to say about this stupid? It's like, I, I know what it's like to to feel you're right so desperately and still lose. <laughs> That's you, Adam, on all of your opinions. I, what is the international player's anthem? Is that what it's called? It,
0: Can we just move on? Because I've seen something in the notes that made me so angry that I want to yell at you about it. Six, so I want to get to that.
1: 16 <laughs> votes all are yes so far. Frog and dog do ride. <laughs> I know that this is just not true. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, let's find out what Heath is mad about uh, regarding my notes. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today.
2: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Okay, Heath, uh, what did I
0: do? Well, I thought we'd get to it at some point. You want to do overdraft and underdrafted players at some point, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think in about 10 minutes we need to do that. Okay, okay. so we'll I'll, get to I'll that. yell then. Okay, uh, let's, do, um, let's do these two questions about categories leagues. And sorry, I forgot the name on this email. Guys, you've discussed and completed a mock draft for head-to-head categories. It sounds like you were doing a weekly lineups league. What if the league were set up as daily lineups? Would you still continue with the same pitching strategy, top aces, and relief-heavy pitching?
2: Oh, I think it's even, there, yeah. it's even more valuable in daily lineups because not only can you cycle through those guys in your lineup, but you can start adding middle relievers. And then if you get to the end of the week, say Friday, and you're really low on wins or strikeouts, but you have a really big lead in the RA, then you can just start adding guys who are going to start on Saturday and Sunday and just try to to make up those, those raw stats. I think, there's a lot more you can do in daily lineups. The one thing to watch with daily lineup leagues is what are
0: your restrictions? Do you have to have a certain number of inning pitch? Do you have a max number of starts for your starting pitchers? Or a minimum. Or a minimum. Either one. And those, I like the leagues that don't have any rules as far as that goes, but if your league has a rule on that, that's the one What plays it could definitely change. And I hate daily lineup leagues.
1: Oh no, I like daily lineup leagues. I've definitely well, come sorry. around.
0: It's way too much work. Chris doesn't even like setting his lineup yeah. once a week. There's much less every day.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't want to turn fantasy
3: baseball into a chore. Come on. It's I, supposed to be I fun. mean,
2: I like having one of those. It's maybe, one, maybe two. It's a hundred and ninety-day season. I think yeah. that's a long time. That's a really inev- big investment.
3: What inevitably happens when I play in a daily lineup league is I just set each day individually on Monday. Still. Like I said it once a week, but I go through, you know, looking days ahead to make sure nobody has off days, which means, you know, I'm missing like injuries that pop up and stuff. But that's 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 the price I'm willing to pay to feel like I'm still living my life.
1: Sure. I get it. Uh, I I probably play the fewest leagues of the four of us. I play in six leagues and I have two daily lineup leagues and that's fine for me. But I, if I were only going to do one baseball league, it would be daily lineups. But I understand you don't want too many of them. Uh, next one here is from Christian in California. Your podcast helped me draft a very solid team. I feel like I have a balanced roster despite some questionable closer options. But is this a problem? I don't see my categories team stacked in any particular category. I feel like it could be it could be bested by a strong home run or RBI or strikeout team. Should head-to-head categories players aim to have an edge in particular in particular categories or shoot for balance? throughout their rosters
2: depends on the scoring format right like if you do one win and one loss every week then i think you probably well i don't know i guess you want to stack your side heavily on five or six categories or four in a league where you get one win per week Um, because it doesn't matter if you're if you win six four every week that still counts as a win. Where if you win six four every week in a league where you get ten, uh yeah. Let, let me let me out. let me break it. So, I'm enjoying this, so, entire, <laughs> this
0: entire segment has been
2: fantastic. I'm not sure. Yeah, terrible. Uh, okay, so if you have ten wins and losses every week. A six four win every week. You're not necessarily going to be in a great place. Oh yes, you will. You definitely. Yeah, decide. you're gonna be in the well, but you're not it's gonna win. But you're not gonna win six four every week. Okay, right. this is terrible that's the thing. Like you're kind of, you're kind of back. If, if <laughs> you're punting, <laughs> no. If you're punting multiple categories, and you, if you know you're gonna lose three per week, and you have a bad week in ERA bad, and bad whip, <laughs> then you're you're gonna lose. You're pretty pretty yep. guaranteed to lose. Yeah, and so that's yeah, I, that's where it comes in.
3: I aim for balance just because I don't. I want to make sure that I, like like Chris is saying, you're not, you can't be sure that you're going to win what you think you're going to win all the time. And if you if you give yourself that narrow of a path to victory, I don't think it's going to work out well for you in the end. Plus, you need to have, be able to uh, work your way out of a trouble that develops during the season that maybe you didn't account for in the draft. And if you only have one path to doing that.
2: You know, Heath, you say something. You find it so funny that everybody else is having trouble explaining the intricacies of various formats. You say something. You put yourself on the line.
0: Uh, I'm perfectly fine punting one category, maybe even two. I think this is the one format where you can just, if you want to forget about steals, you can build a team that's awesome in power and batting average and be in great shape. If you want to forget about saves, or on the other hand, if you want to not worry so much about starting pitching, that's generally the strategy I go with, is try to build an elite offense, maybe get one ace, definitely get some upside starters, and then build the best bullpen in the league. So I don't necessarily build for balance, but I don't think that ne- that means you're in a bad spot if you do.
1: And once you get past 5 by 5 6 by 6 if you get to 6 by 6 and if you get to 7 by 7 you can and maybe even should punt steals because you can definitely afford to lose a category yeah. every week. It just won't make that much of a difference. All right, let's uh do real quick some late round picks that you guys I haven't done enough drafts. So I know we have a mock draft today and I think uh tomorrow. But there uh, one of them at least is uh, on the shallower format. Um I haven't done enough drafts unfortunately, but maybe you guys can tell me. I just looked at ADP uh, like 300 and beyond for some guys that I like, but I got I keep ending up with Jorge Soler, uh Lewis Brinson. I'm not saying these are good things, but uh late after 300, Jorge Soler, Lewis Brinson. I like Brandon Belt. He was very good before his appendectomy, and then after coming off the DL, he had a 572 OPS. It sunk his numbers, but Belt is not dead, and he goes like 350th. He could be certainly
2: suitable. Can they suitable. just trade him? Well, either Terrell way. Park and concussion control. Like, it's such a bad park for left-handed hitters that I, I think he would be probably a top 10 uh, first baseman if he played in a neutral park, but that park just it kills power for left-handed hitters so much that... It, doesn't matter it's hard he's, for him to do it. he's still good at 350th overall sure. is, is what especially I'm saying. in a points league
1: and uh, yes and uh and
3: a and a points league you're not going 350 deep though like if, if we're setting 300 as the range we're pretty much taking like a 12 team head-to-head out of it because that's you know 252 players are drafted in the standard head-to-head format so we're getting pretty well beyond that which isn't to say belt couldn't contribute at some point in the season just that you don't have any incentive to aim for him in the right. draft?
1: Well, I'm sorry I brought him up. Uh,
0: this was uh, obviously a huge mistake.
1: Some pitchers.
3: <laughs> no,
0: it's. it's just, I'm just. I just want to put
3: the, the the format into context here. So,
0: how, how would Brandon Belt change your strategy in a head-to-head categories <laughs> league with daily lineups? Where's the <laughs> six by six? Uh, right. So if you win, if you're just getting like one win per week,
1: and dog he goes six and four, dog.
2: Adam. Adam, you can't you can't shame anyone after your dog frog thing.
1: I guess I'm the sorry. way the way you That's say the it, rule.
2: They do sort of rhyme, but the way I say it, they <laughs> certainly don't. Um,
1: okay, Tuki Toussaint, Zach Eflin, Luke Weaver were three pitchers that really stood out as late round picks that we'll be drafting. Who else, guys? Who else? Go for it and give me you know make it snappy.
0: Yeah, I like all those guys. I like Michael Pineda. Sure, Luke Weaver. Adam, um, Luke Weaver. He already said I Thank think, think was, <laughs> Matt Strom. Matt Strom definitely fits. I, t- I draft Steven Souza so much, and I understand the risks there with him, but he's 342 over the last five days in ADP. He's free.
2: Tyler O'Neill, Ryan Zimmerman, actually, I think we've kind of cast him off as dead again, even though he was really good in 2017 and really good after he came back from his injury uh, last year. So I'm not giving up on him. I've drafted drafted him as a bench bat multiple times. Okay,
1: and Ryan McMahon is not in the is inside the top 300 lately, but you still might be able to get him really late. Scott, was there anyone you wanted to add?
3: Uh, I'm just trying to see if they make the cut. Jeff McNeil has actually moved inside the top 300 barely, but he is somebody I'm drafting a lot in my 15 team Roto leagues. Brandon Lau is basically free and among a big mass of players competing for playing time in Tampa Bay, both between the outfield and first base and DH. He's been the best this spring by far. I don't understand why he doesn't get hyped more. His offensive potential seems very high. So he's also somebody I've been drafting in those deeper leagues. Ryan McMahon, I mean, he's he should not be outside the top 300. And I think over the last week he's just barely inside it, but that's still not high enough, Ryan McMahon. Yeah, he's
2: 294 over the last week on NFBC.
3: Yeah, yeah. And overall, he's like 350. So that's... You need to draft him much higher than that. This guy's um, this
1: guy's going 273 overall. Did anybody say Hunter Strickland? Because how is he not the Mariners' closer? When you get to the point where we're, we're guessing who closers are, like Strickland probably is... He's the 35th reliever off the board.
3: Yeah. yeah. You, the, the appeal to him is you're not guessing. He is the closer. And I think... Well, an interesting thing about him is, if you are counting the series in Japan, those two teams play six games in week one, while the most any other team plays is four. I mean, that alone makes Strickland must start. Okay.
1: Good stuff, guys. Overdrafted and underdrafted players. Real quick, some team name Tuesday. pokemon Kata. Very good. Javier biased. Biased? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you glad you used doll? Apparently, an old dial commercial. Aren't you glad you used oh. Dial? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. what's our Victor, Victor Mesa? What's our Victor? Very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bieber Fam Club. Bieber yep. Fam Club. Uh, one of our, one of our listeners drafted Snell, Darvish, and Bader, and he did Snell you Bader! Yep. That's good. And then there's Hand You Ioannis.
2: Which is, you know. This is a family <laughs> program, Adam. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Vodoman That's... Empire. Vodoman Empire is a goodie. Very good, yeah. Uh, the
1: Bower Rangers. Very good. And the Guriel with the Dragon Tattoo. Excellent. It's a good round. Those are solid, yeah. yeah. Good round of teammates. Solid crop. So, let's get to it. Overdrafted players. What did I do, Heath?
0: You've got a list here of overdrafted oh, yeah. players, and the first four names are names that we've all talked about and agreed upon. They're being drafted <laughs> too high. There could be some debate about Ronald Acuna and what his upside is, or Javier Baez and whether last year was real. You can talk about Glaver Torres and Andujar Har the Yankees. Why in the world is Mitch Haniger on this list as an overdrafted player at 85th overall when he finished 33rd overall in rotisserie leagues last year and it was essentially the same guy he was. The year before. Okay, yeah. So first of
1: all, I did compile a little bit of a list, and it had been the guys that we had talked about a lot. Acuna, ninth overall. We think he's more of a mid to late second round pick. Javier Baez, 19th overall. We're thinking third or fourth round. Glaber Torres, 58th overall. And Duhar 81st overall. I, those were sort of uh, ones that we had established overdrafted. Hanager is boring to me, and he goes ahead of Puig, Dahl, and Conforto. And those are like these three outfielders that we seem to love their upside. I don't think Haniger has nearly that upside, so that's why I think Hanager does he not
3: have? Does he not have nearly Conforto's upside? I can I understand the other two,
2: but I could see I Conforto like... hitting thirty-five homers. I don't think I could see Mitch McHanneger doing that. I don't know. Like okay. he's had
0: exactly the same home run to fly ball rate the last two years at fifteen point eight percent, and maybe that's just what it will always be. But a lot of what comes from upside is just guys having a, a semi-fortunate year in terms of something like that or Babip. And I don't know why he couldn't have one year with a 20% home run to five ball ratio.
2: He could, but I think Conforto's like baseline level could be around that. Uh, I Han- think the raw power for Conforto is better. Haniger has a ballpark problem. He's had about an 800
1: OPS the- in, at home two straight years.
0: It's the same ballpark he's played in the last two years, and he, though. And when he was a number 33 player in, in fantasy last okay, year. Okay,
1: cause he, cause he played a full season, and he was good, he was very good, but he wasn't, you know, I don't think Right, was I'm a, not saying
0: you should draft him at 33rd.
1: I think that, I think the three guys that I mentioned...
0: five picks later.
1: I think the three guys that I mentioned that go after him, uh, still... they
0: should be drafted.
1: They are. Or they're appropriately drafted, and over <laughs> overdrafted. That's how I see it. I think Hanegar should be more like a hundredth, uh, 110th overall,
0: personally. Well, if you think all those guys have more upside than what Hanniger did last year, you think all those guys have second to third round upside? To be top 25 players in th- fantasy. Yeah, I think, I think, then they're not appropriately drafted around pick 100. It,
1: it, you know, because look, they're always gonna go, at, they're always gonna finish ahead of closers, right? But, but it's position scarcity. They're gonna finish ahead of catchers in, in all likelihood. Well, Realmutu and Sanchez. Like, Guys get injured. It's not a it's not a, transa- a translation, a perfect translation where a guy finished and where he should be drafted. Like I understand.
0: I'm just. I'm not saying take him at thirty thirty.
1: Yeah. Okay. So so what do you guys think other than Heath Hannegger, eighty fifth overall, is he overdrafted?
2: I think it's fine. I never take him. I don't think I have a single Mitch Hanniger share. That's thing. because I take him at like sixty fifth. Yeah, but, I've got but I also I'm just not super excited about him. Exactly. It's not that he's bad. Yeah. I'm just... He's a, kind of he's right. I kind of
3: high. get what you're saying, yeah. Adam. Like, I'd rather wait for that next wave than settle for Haniger. But I don't think it's overdrafted, necessarily.
2: Right. Okay. Although you did mention Yasiel Puig. He's going quite a bit higher than Hanager, isn't he?
1: Uh, if he is, then that's my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't think Yeah, because
2: I think, at least on NFBC, it's no. 62nd <laughs> going... over the last... Uh...
1: Oh, okay. Well it, on fantasy pros he's going actually three picks after Haniger. Um uh, okay. but but uh, On uh
0: Yahoo he's going three picks before Haniger. Oh,
1: and I'll tell you another guy who okay then forget about Puig. In Nf- so, so Nf- FBC he's going by far the highest Puig. Yeah. So, so, Sixty so then,
0: second overall.
1: Let me give you the three outfielders, the updated three outfielders. AJ Pollock, David Dahl, and Michael Conforto,
2: I would rather have over Hanegar. And they're all I good. would rather have yeah, I think those guys all have more at least Pollock and Dahl have more five-category potential than Hanniger does. All right, you guys take it over. Who else is overdrafted?
0: Uh, I'm just using Yahoo ADP, and I've got uh, four or five names here. Some of them were the same. So Christian Yelich is going eighth overall on Yahoo drafts, and I don't think that's too far from some other um, sites. I just I've gotten to the point now where I'd rather have Aaron Judge. I'd definitely rather have some of those infielders. There's going to be a big drop in his power numbers, likely a significant drop in his batting average. And I just I think he's better served as a second round pick, maybe even a late second. Uh, Edwin Diaz is going 52nd overall on Yahoo. It's not just because closers go really early. He's going a round and a half, two rounds ahead of the, the next group of closers. I expect him to be very good. I don't expect him to be the number one closer, and I'm not paying a premium for him over the other closers. I had Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar on that list. Mike Fultonovich still has an ADP of 120 overall. We've looked at some of the last three days stuff. A lot of times he's going 150, 160. I don't think he should go in the top 200. Then again, I didn't think he should go in the top 150 before he was hurt. And Jay Happ is going 137th overall on Yahoo!. I think his NFBC ADP is around 200. He's fine, I guess, for a late round starting pitcher. I don't think he's going to be a top 25 option, though.
2: Hap has weirdly moved up a lot as draft season has gone on. Um, I don't think we learned anything new about him, uh, over the last month, but he's up to 141st over the last week on NFBC. And that's, that's what I'm looking at. Like, I'm looking at the last week for NFBC to try to get some of the latest trends. Um, so I've got three overdrafted and three underdrafted. Christian Jalic is sixth overall, just like Heath said. I just, I don't think he's worth the first half of the first round pick. Um, there's, like Heath said, just tons of regression coming, even though he will be good. Xander Bogarts is 45th, which that seems wow. way too rich, mm-hmm. uh, in a world where you could get, you know, Gene Segura probably three or four rounds later. Uh, I just, I don't see the point in that. And then Jamison Tyone is 53rd. And like, I was the biggest Jamison Tyone fan this time a year ago, but a borderline top 50 pick for that guy, I think he's good. But that's, yeah. that's borderline, that, that, that's, that's Steve- that, he's going ahead of Steven Strasburg over the last week on FBC. That's why. That's wild.
3: another case. That's another case where NFBC is the outlier among the ADP sources. On all the the other sites, he goes more like 70th, Tyone.
2: And then three being underdrafted. I get the concerns with Bryce Harper, not playing much in the spring, signing late, now has this ankle foot thing, although he's playing through it. He's been really bad in the spring, but he's 18th overall. And we know this guy has number one overall potential. He's basically played at that level two of the last four years. You're not going to get that kind of upside from someone who's done it before uh, in the late mid to late second round. So I think he's a great value there. Uh, Clayton Kershaw at 60th, given that the injury concerns are not entirely behind him, but he's going to be, he should be in the rotation within the first couple of turns. I think 60th is great value for him. And this is one that I've just disagreed with everybody on this podcast all spring long. Ken Jaws is 149th. I think that's way too low. He might just have a mental block that makes it so that he just will have these meltdowns forever. But every single one of his peripherals, pretty much every year, I think there might have been one bad peripheral season, has suggested that he is one of the best closers in baseball. That was the case last year. The, The peripherals were, for the most part, very good i mean
0: 308 fip yeah that's that's good and his strikeouts went down last year
2: it was weird kind of his walks. sure but roberto ozuna's strikeouts went down last right. year and we're we're still drafting him as an elite closer that's true uh ozuna does pitch for a better team but yeah we I... have seen a a super elite uh ken giles before and nobody's drafting him as if that's possible. Well,
1: I'm not drafting him to be super elite because he is not on a super elite team anymore, but I actually would disagree that you've been on on Giles Island because I have also been very high on Giles because for whatever he he gave up, I think he had a 0.35 ERA in save situations. He had 26 I six. don't
2: know if that matters.
1: Well, I I think it might. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a mental aspect here with Ken Giles and just use him properly, make him the closer, you know, put him in save situations and and he is The closer for them, so and that goes a long way in 2019. So I would agree uh, with that. And let me just get back to Harper. I know Scott, you gotta you gotta get in here as well. But uh, is Harper going ahead of Charlie Blackman?
2: Um, I can check that. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. But I would no. Blackman's 27th on NFBC. So So Harper's going ahead of him. Yeah. yeah, which is ridiculous. Charlie Blackman, 27th overall. Thank your lucky stars if you get him there. That is absurd value.
1: Yeah, I, I would base my if I knew I could get him in the third round, I would base my entire draft strategy on taking Charlie Blackman in the third round. Um, <laughs> and and then I, like, I wanted to. A few weeks ago, I was Harper over Yelich, and I, I was, Heath, you said you take Judge over Yelich. Scott, let me get you and, in there. And Harper. Oh, you would take a. Uh, where would you take Yelich, Scott? Would you take Harper over him? Would you take Judge over him?
3: I would take Yelich the highest of those three uh, because I feel like, I mean, I, I give him more credit, more credit for power than I think Heath is. I, I'm going to set the over under on home runs at 29 and a half this year. And, um, you know, the rest of his profile seems pretty safe. Right. So he's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't had occasion to draft him yet. I, he always seems to go higher than I look. I'm, willing to look at him. But late first round, I think, is appropriate for Jelic.
1: Scott, give me some underdrafted and overdrafted players.
3: So I think the single most overdrafted player, and we touched on this when we were doing our mock draft live on Friday, is Ahmed Rosario, who is a full 50 picks earlier than I'm picking him and goes ahead of Billy Hamilton. The reason that's important, the Hamilton note, is because... I'm not sure what anybody's drafting Rosario for other than stolen bases, which
2: well, Hamilton,
3: I would expect to deliver twice as many.
2: There's batting um, average and home run upside with Rosario. Like, he's not a well, big, I wish oh, I no, wish no, you would show it.
3: I wish you would show it. He did hit about 280 over the final two months last year, but it was with a very high BABIP, and it came at the expense of whatever little power he had because he basically stopped elevating the ball to put together that 280 batting average uh it doesn't get on base much at all and th- really most of the steals came when he was batting leadoff which he clearly isn't going to do anymore he's going to bat in the lower part of the lineup so i'm not I, I don't get the ahmed rosario hype in the least bit he looks super scrubby to me and <laughs> not somebody who i'm drafting in the middle rounds
1: all right who else? um
3: so other overdrafted players, uh, I mean, Gleber Torres is one we talk about a lot, Cody Bellinger we talked about a lot yesterday, uh, guys who I just think not enough of the risk is factored in, like people are viewing them with rose-tinted glasses, seeing a best-case scenario for each of them, or at least close to it. Underdrafted players, uh, I mean, a lot of these are my favorites, Zach Granke, Jose Abreu, Scooter Jeanette. I think Justin Turner, maybe we don't talk about him enough. Um, just how studly he is when he's in the lineup. And like, especially last year when he overcame the broken handmate bone in his hands, because when he first came off the DL, he wasn't headed for power at all. And then the last two months his numbers exploded. And he was like I, I feel like he is as good as any third baseman on a per game basis, any of them. Like even Nolan Arenado, if when Turner's in the lineup, he is that productive in fantasy, and he tends to go in, like, round eight or nine on average. Mm-hmm. So somebody I like drafting a lot at third base. Robinson Cano. Um, I'm not really sure why he gets downgraded so much, I guess just because he's old, but he has been very consistent in terms of playing over the last few years. The last time he didn't play 150 games in a season that wasn't because of the suspension last year Um was, like... Ten years ago or something stupid.
2: And I, I think that's partially the result of the suspension is why he's being underrated. Um yes. but what we've seen he's 36, so that's part of it, but he wasn't going a hundred and what what is it, a hundred and tenth overall?
3: Around there, yeah.
2: I last year. Right. I, one year older, but he still hit last year. He was still very good. I don't think I don't worry about like
0: whatever he was taking was causing him to produce at a level that he can't sustain. But he's 36 years old and was able to play in 150 games every single year, probably because of whatever he was taking. Sure, but you tend to gain – players tend to keep those gains. This I, is something I think that, they keep the performance gains. I don't know that you're going to keep the health benefits. I, 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 I don't,
3: don't know, know what, what he was taking – for how from, long he was taking anything. First
2: of sure. All. <laughs> from, from what I understand – uh, you tend, once you stop taking them, you do still tend to keep those gains. Maybe he won't be able to stay healthy, but at 110th overall, given the potential that he has and how well he's produced over the last few years. I mean, he's, a, he's kind of a, an accumulator now. He doesn't have that much
1: he's, potential. Exactly. He is an accumulator.
3: It's well, no. 20
0: to 25 at- homers, 70 to 80 runs. We're going to hit 280. Maybe two no, he's a, no.
3: His his run and RBI totals with with the Mariners were very high. I mean, like eighty plus every
2: every he's, year. He's hit two ninety eight, two eighty, and three oh three over the last three seasons too. So two ninety. Yeah.
3: Okay. So definite that's re- batting average help. I think definite run help.
0: I'm just looking at the at RBI the ATC and, pro- projection. It's 285, mm-hmm. 21 homers, seventy eight runs, eighty five RBI. That seems pretty reasonable.
1: Okay, so this is Robinson Cano we're talking about. But he is about. a dinosaur, so. Let me let me read, and he's he's usually better in points leagues. He does not strike out a lot. Let me read uh, an email here. It's an interesting email kind of piggybacking on this conversation. It is from JD from a large town in Colorado with all the microbreweries bu- Heath could dream of. Hey, wow. Yeah.
2: Boulder? Uh, sure. Hmm.
1: I know you guys are Freaking not exactly rich. fond of second base this year, but I feel like there's tons of value. In the mid-rounds, Daniel Murphy, he's kind of inching toward the early rounds. Scooter Jeanette, Robinson Cano, Travis Shaw, Mike Moustakis. I've been really targeting Jeanette in my mocks, but I'm wondering, why take Jeanette when I can get uh, Cano two or three rounds later?
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. and I I would expect them to produce about the same. Maybe Jeanette's a little safer, but... No might have more upside. I won't be the guy arguing for taking Scooter Jeanette, although I don't think I gave any
0: underdrafted players.
1: Oh, well, we have a few minutes Thanks. left.
0: I thought we were all doing overdrafted, and then we were all doing underdrafted, and I did all my overdrafted, and then never came back to me.
1: Fire away with a few names.
0: Um, speaking of second baseman, yeah, Travis Shaw, 113th overall. Adalberto Mondesi, Scott, you need to get in some Yahoo leagues. (laughs) Mondesi going 68th overall. Why are you
3: fixated on the Yahoo ADP? I don't like. I I I understand NFPC because you can make it
2: more recent. Because it's. Fantasy pros. We're catering to a a large audience. We have a lot of. Didn't
3: you mention CBS ADP once?
2: Like. No, there's a reason.
1: For this. The, the reason
0: is we
2: discussed CBS ADP ADP too, don't we? Heath is prepping
0: for an article that he's writing. So,
2: well, uh, but I also I also yeah. do think there's value in there is finding places that you can get either value or know where to avoid guys in different leagues because the the default rankings, the default projections are going to be different no matter where you play, and obviously you should sure. play on CBS Sports commissioner product it's the only but place but sometimes
3: you play he's, been, he's been citing yahoo adp in cases where it's normal too so but it's, it's not that big of a
2: deal wow it's really bothering you Heath, you should <laughs> play in the yahoo league he have a job offer that, that we
1: need to know about go ahead but well, it's not it's not, like
0: a,
2: it's not like a it's not like a street gang that we have to fight them All yeah. right, uh, we got we got, we got uh, 120th 2 minutes left 20th
1: overall we got 2 minutes left who you got who's 120th
2: michael brantley okay.
0: wilson ramos is the last catcher going at 155 the last good catcher and then Shane Bieber at 157.
1: Okay. It's so basically all of Heath's sleepers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> about 40 minutes later.
1: Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Tomorrow, I want to talk about Madison Bumgarner. Why don't you tell me real quick where Bumgarner going, and then we'll, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. Where's, where's Bumgarner going? 105, on I think. Yeah, sure, on Yahoo, of course. <laughs> Why not? Thank you for listening to the Yahoo CBS Fantasy Baseball today. 88th. okay. Um, all right, so uh, we'll talk about Garden tomorrow. We'll talk about some other stuff tomorrow. We'll talk about our head-to-head points mock draft that we're doing today. That's coming up on tomorrow's show. For Scott, for Creed, for yeah, yeah, for Scott, for Creed. I'm Adam. <laughs> See you later, everybody. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.